Hi, and welcome back, or welcome to the Mindset and Performance Podcast. I'm Dries, a Mindset and Performance Coach. I help athletes and young professionals with their career development. We work on a wide range of areas, from training to nutrition, but focus essentially on the mindset, as it is the key to everything else. The whole idea behind this podcast is to deconstruct the habits that led people to their success, to learn from their experience and understand psychology behind their actions and behavior, and of course, to know what kind of mindsets they have. Okay. Today we're talking with Bouj Magilul, known as Bouj. He's the most famous Moroccan in Hawaii in the field of windsurfing. Bouj Mahal always does his best to reveal a big part of his known how in jumping. He's flying ever so high and so fast that he has broken many records in the area. Bouj Mahal is a true windsurfing artist and he acquired an international recognition for it. Bujma was born in Essaouira, a city, a, a city in uh, south of Morocco in 1984, and he learned to surf at the age of 12. In 2004, he became a professional windsurfer, and since then he has been on tour all over the world. Currently 33 years old, uh, Bujma is ranked number two in the International Windsurfing Tour. I had the privilege to meet him in 2006 down in his home break, Moulay uh, Buzrokton, when I was reporting uh, an event that he organized down there. Um, truly excited to share with you this conversation that is around mindset, training habits, life lessons, and his way of thinking, uh, which is very interesting and unique. So stay tuned. This is my conversation with Bujma Gilul. Hey. Hello. Hello, hey, how, how, are Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Yourself? I'm good, good. I'm so stoked to talk to you here today. I was actually a little bit concerned that we missed the time, that there was some confusion about the time if we should have yeah, been I got there an earlier. Update. I got an update. It was 11, same 11 UTC. Yeah. And I was confused because I thought it was 12 because of the first email it was 12. I guess, 1 p.m. European time. Ah, I see, I see. For me, it shows 7 p.m. Anyways, we're here connected. Thank you for making time for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pleasure. Where I'm are you calling me from? I'm actually in an airport in Paris. Wow, excellent. Doing podcasts and interviews on airports. Yes. How yeah. much time do we have? Uh, my next flight is at 9 tonight, 9 p.m. Oh, okay, plenty of time, I guess. I guess, yeah. <laughs> and so where are you heading to? Next adventure? Actually, tour in Europe. I'm going to go pick up a couple boards in Holland. Uh -huh. And then I will fly to Switzerland. Maybe I'm going to try and sail in Holland. But it looks like it's not going to happen. The forecast doesn't look really good. And then I'm flying from Holland back to Switzerland. I'm going to pick up a, a van. And then I will try and sail in France or um, Spain, depending on the forecast, and I'll be back home in Morocco early October, somewhere around 1st or the 3rd October, inshallah. I thought you're going to say that you're going to be back to Morocco in two, three months. Sounded like a long, long trip, but I guess it's very back-to-back. No, -back. actually, I'm just going to go drop off the van in Morocco and fly around the 10th of October, like a week later after I go to Morocco, I fly in a week later. I'm going to Maui for uh, something like six weeks. Oh, amazing. Sounds like a 
dream kind of job or like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I get you i get you it's going from uh, one place to another it's pretty fun yeah it's a gift it's a blessing you have been doing this for a while right Bushma? now it's been something like 14 years i started in uh, i think 2003 somewhere then 2004 i can't remember yeah Tell us a little bit about your start. Like, how did you start and where was it? Like, I don't know first, like, if you remember where we met the first time. It was, I think, around 2006 or seven. I was visiting your yeah. hometown for the first time, covering a, an event. There was like a windsurf event with a lot of sponsors. I can't remember which one it was, but I remember driving all the way down from Rabat to uh, Mulay Buzurkton. And with my gear, camera, video, back in time, I was doing something completely different than what I'm doing right now. So we were just covering the events and trying to get some interviews with people and podcasting it to the uh, TV channel Ariadia, if you remember yeah. the TV yeah, channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I do. I think I remember it was, you were with the crew. It was a windsurfing challenge. It was something called Windsurfing Challenge. I think it was an invitational event that gathered some of the best windsurfers in the world. And I think we did a, a contest and judged each other. Yeah. And yeah, it was pretty fun. I think I remember it was sponsored by an airline or something like that. Yeah, I remember the waves were huge. Water was brown. And it yes. was a lot of flying. A lot Classic. Of flying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was windy. Yeah. Yeah, I think I remember, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good time, good time. Good times. I still go back there from time to time. Actually, I took my family-in-law last January, and they just loved to it. Mule. To Mule. To to uh, the cafe, the restaurant. Lawama. Awama. We yeah. sat in the terrace, and it was their highlight. It was the highlight of the trip. I took them to Sawira, Agadir, Taazut, <laughs> Sidi Kauki, Marrakesh, but that position up there on the roof with a cup of tea, Moroccan yeah. tea, it was for them like yeah. the best of the best. And for me too, like, uh, it was so good to reconnect. Yeah, I do feel what they felt there. It's yeah. a, a very strong vibe in Moulay. Like you don't have to do anything special. Just like being there, you feel like you're doing something special, you know, just like chill. And like doing nothing doesn't feel wrong. It's just feels like it's the right thing to be done there. And it marked your memory. Like, exactly. uh, yeah. So that's where you started, actually. Tell us about your start. No, the beginning was in Isuera. I was born and raised in Isuera and I was very outdoorsy. Like I like to play around. And since I was like 11 or 12, I was like always trying to, find uh, an escape out of the house and escaping from my mom and being punished later on after I returned. But I managed to, to end up in the ocean somehow with friends, like playing around and trying to to fish in the ocean. And basically I saw the windsurfing and the surfing happening there. And I was like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to try this. And we started with something like with friends. We started like by bringing the top of a table, trying to skimboard on it like just like throwing on the shore and then you know gliding on the little thin surface of water and then try to surf it was difficult and you know long story short i tried to rent a, a bodyboard from center there i rented it once or twice and ended up 
buying a membership for a year there and started from there. So I had the chance to try basically few board sports and uh, yeah, it was uh, windsurfing was one of them. Didn't like it at the beginning. I hated it. It was really heavy. It was not fun. I couldn't manage to get going. But one day I, I had that, uh, you know, like triggered something in me that that was a phenomenal thing that I needed in my life and the passion started then and it's not stopping soon so what made you choose windsurfing instead of kitesurfing for example was kitesurfing existing back then or not i don't think i choose i think it was 96 97 windsurfing was pretty dominant in Sawira and the region a lot of like a huge amount of tourism you know, like tourists came from all over the world, especially from Europe with vans and with boards. And the city or the bay was very covered with windsurfing sails. It was very beautiful. And kitesurfing was not existing. It was just about to be invented. And the first event or the first, you know, gathering of kitesurfers happened in 1998, I think, by a, can't remember the event, but anyways. It came then and I was like attracted to it. And some people told me that I needed to learn because it's a brand new sport and I could get something out of it. But I think the passion for windsurfing was too strong and I was so distracted. I learned kitesurfing. I actually obviously learned kitesurfing back then and I knew how to go back and forth. But I was not attracted to persist in it or to progress in it, but more like uh, to have fun. Windsurfing was a totally different thing. It had some profound, you know, like fundamental basics that are influencing the personality. And you need to be a very special person to learn windsurfing. Windsurfing is a very hard thing to learn. It takes a long process and it's not just like an easy thing that you can go and and you're good at it. You know, it takes a little bit of commitment and a strong personality. While kitesurfing, I learned to go on the first day and I had fun but that feeling that it didn't you know fire up on me but windsurfing was uh yeah it was the thing that I I I was more attracted to I agree with you that is um quite hard like I tried both kite and windsurfing actually both of them I found them hard compared to surfing I'm a I'm a surfer but not a kite or a windsurfer at all I'm still intrigued into trying to learn, like do a proper trial. Last time I tried, it was like one day on the beach. I think the best way maybe is to go for a little trip or like a camp somewhere where it's, there is consistent wind and have proper coach and somebody to help with it. Did you know what you want to do with it? Like you mentioned somebody telling you you can do something with windsurfing. Like, did you know like you wanted to compete or was your objectives quite clear back then? How old were you, by the way? I was, I think, 13 or 14. Uh, my main goal, my dreams were small. I just wanted time on the water. Oh. I didn't dream of more, wow. anything more than just like being able to be in the water whenever it was good to be in the water. So basically, I was just looking forward to have gear and to manage somehow. So then 14 or 15, I started working for a center, just like helping the tourists and washing the gear and carrying the boards and, you know, being the, you know, the help for the center. And in exchange, I had time on the water. 
And at the end of the season, they gave me some gear. And basically, that was the highlight of my life or like the biggest goal of my life, like getting gear to be able to get in the water. Amazing. But then like I started progressing and people started, you know, believing that I could have a career or not, not, not specifically like a career, but just like compete, I had the level to compete in international events. But I didn't look at it that way. I just like maybe that was a way to get more gear, to be <laughs> able to spend more time in the water. So, yeah, some people helped me when I was in Moulay. Then after I finished the season in this I went to Moulay to sail there because I had some gear to, to go out and Moulay was the perfect spot. So people saw me and started to tell me, yeah, you should request some sponsorship. And then there was these people coming from Europe who helped me a lot, brought some gear and uh, they had brands and brought me boards and sales and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, one day a friend helped me write an email to all the brands and send in some pictures that looked different from the average back then windsurfing professional. Locals. And uh, no internationals actually. Mm. Like uh, the style I had was really different. Maybe just the fact that I spent a little bit of time in Morocco okay. with very few people it helps me progress in a different way and pushing, maneuvering and uh, the sport in a different path. Direction, yeah. And that attracted, yeah, like all the maneuvering was different. It was very tweaked and, and it was attractive. Like the, the sponsors who sponsor me now, Starboard and Severin, they, they believed that I had something different and special, maybe a little bit of exotism and, and innovation and stuff like that. So they trusted me, they believed in me, and they helped me since the beginning. And they're still helping me and supporting me now. Speaking about support, you mentioned a lot of people that helped you, a friend that wrote to you in emails or helped you reach out to sponsors and so on. Did you meet a mentor or was there somebody that influenced your career, like you'd say, tremendously? Or was it just a lot of different people that crossed your path? The list is long. There was a lot of people that influenced me a lot. But one of them was mainly my friend Futa, who owned the Loama restaurant. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you might yeah. have met him. Yeah, I know him very he well. Was, he he kind of like... Uh, he was my, my wingman, you know, like he looked after me and he helped me a lot since uh, an early age and helped me with critical decisions in my life, like things like uh, going to school or like accepting a sponsorship and going away to Hawaii, like things like I was uh, back then young, I didn't know what to choose and didn't know what was right and what was wrong. And yeah, he basically and directly was my mentor and my coach. And he always gave me the exact right advice to be able to, uh, you know, like get where I am now. Inspiring. I think he did a movie lately, right? Like he was only, I think, a windsurfing, like trying to cross countries or cross uh, to Spain or something for love. I think I saw some trailer passing by somewhere. Was it him, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. The movie is called Atlantic. Oh, it was yeah, a, yeah. It was a movie about, it, it's an love. artsy movie about, uh, yeah, love, love for family, for the ocean, for things like that. And Fata was the star of the movie and he's starring like a 
as this Moroccan who was growing up in a village, Moulay village, and met a Dutch girl, and she marked his, you know, memory, and he tried to chase her back, windsurfing back to Holland somehow. Wow. I will try to take note of this to watch it, because I think I saw it like three years ago or something, saw the trailer, but I completely forgot to watch it. Atlantic is the name. Atlantic, yeah. yeah. Easy to remember. And so how was it with family back then? Like, did they approve your decision and the path you were taking? I know, by fact, like families sometimes, especially back in our country, they want us to take a different path. Like, I remember my father wanted me to do something completely different from what I wanted. Like, we argued. We didn't get along for some time because I wanted to do something completely different than what he wanted me to do. But at the end, like, he approved it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was very blessed with the family I had. I grew up with a single mother and my brother. My mom was a very open-minded person, never dictated what we needed to do in life. Like, she always gave us, always showed us what was right and what was wrong. And she let us choose, you know? Even like choosing the wrong thing was not wrong. It was just like probably a mistake that we should learn from. And uh, she never opposed my career or my life in any way. She always been very supportive. And she didn't know that I could have a career from, from windsurfing. She didn't know like I could go anywhere more than uh, having it as a hobby. But she always like, you know, pushed us toward what was driving us like by heart you know like we were passionate kids like passionate about the ocean passionate about life in general and she she supported us in what really made us happy every day but never ever like said oh this is the way and you should not choose any other way and yeah it was amazing Amazing. yeah I'm, i'm very blessed to have such a mother do you have some words that you keep on thinking of when you, let's say, you are in low times or in doubts or, or not knowing direction, like some words that she, she was telling you back then? You know, I managed to progress more by pushing myself into, you know, whatever was dangerous. Like anything that was like, when I put myself in a situation at risk, I just like, convinced myself that I am at the right position, time and space, because I knew that was temporary and there is more and better coming after that. So to push myself to progress, I just believed that this is temporary and I have to go through it, like suffer the consequences or enjoy the consequences if they are more positive. And I didn't have like more than just like thinking, you know, it will pass, it will break, it will pass anyway, even if it breaks, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, in French, we would say, ça passe ou ça casse, même si ça casse, ça doit passer encore. And uh, yeah, I didn't really think of anything beside that, just in terms of progressing. But I kind of applied it in every single thing. Even if I was scared to go and approach a person that I look up to or who was like older or he had more uh, power important, I, I just like believed I will overcome my fear. 
that's a very powerful uh, mantra to have. Really, really good one, I think. Like uh, that, living by this one, it's uh, it's somehow a blessing to have it in mind all the time. Like whatever fears are there, you self you you have a, self a control on your self talk, not letting the negative self talk come and take over, but rather having this mantra to ease whatever I think is coming ahead of you or in front of you. Really nice one. Thanks. So how satisfied are you from your um, athletic, like a uh, windsurfing career right now today? Like if you want to put a number on it, what would that number be? Like a 10 being very satisfied and one not being satisfied at all. Where were you in the scale here? Where are you in the scale? Career-wise? Yeah, career-wise. If we want. Or life-wise. More career-wise, yeah. I think I would put a hundred. A hundred, super satisfactory. <laughs> Man, I come from Morocco, from Isuera, like from a super small town with very close minds and very narrow edges yeah. and very small dreams. <laughs> And then you're all over there now, all over the world, flying exactly. around. Yeah. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like growing up, I would never ever thought of a place that existed like in the world, like, I don't know, Western Australia or Tahiti or Hawaii and picture myself there. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, honestly, I have zero regrets. Yeah. Not one single choice. Like, it's all 100% fully satisfied. You know, when I look back, I didn't have a hard childhood. I didn't have a hard life in Morocco. But just the lack of opportunities was the only issue. It was more materialistic, you know? Yeah, yeah. And also knowledge. Like, education was very limited. Like, what they taught us was sort of a productive thing that, you needed to, you know, be part of society in that specific production Yeah, I know way. exactly what you mean. Yeah. Mm. And then do you compete as well? Like, do you do competitions or are you more into the freestyling and free windsurfing? The thing is, uh, I competed my whole career. I had to be part of the World Tour. So I was on the World Tour since 2004 until 2014 I think I did the World Cup but I came to a stage where I realized I was like doing what someone else wanted me to do not uh, not, not what, what I really wanted to do because well the sponsors were very very friendly very supportive in a way they were like not pushing me to get results they were just like your contract you have to attend this tour because you represent the brand and the tour is the TV of the sport or of the uh, mm -hmm. industry and people need to see you on the tour. But the tour took us to places where places like September, October, places like Germany and Denmark where it's cold, it's gray, it's boring. You're waiting and you're waiting. It was not fun. Well, boring, no, because we still had nightlife you know <laughs> but uh windsurfing was boring it was not i mean it had to be a perfect setup to to have fun not a tropical uh, place you mean not the sun or the tropics but the conditions were not satisfying i see it was more fun to be like now i follow another tour 
Tour, which is uh, the International Windsurfing Tour. It's uh, born in America, and it was like an American championship at the beginning. And uh, I did pretty well in it because I enjoyed it, and I had fun going to places like Oregon. Even the trip was amazing. I went to places like Mexico, Peru. We went to Cabo Verde. We went to Hawaii. I'm going to Hawaii next week for the international week. I mean, international windsurfing tour finals. And uh, I enjoyed being around such tour because uh, we go and windsurf amazing spots. And that was the reason I quit, uh, didn't quit the world tour. Didn't, I mean, the world tour. I didn't really quit it officially, but I just didn't like to go to those same places where I had to adapt. I haven't spent enough time to learn competing in those conditions because it was uh, I had to adapt my windsurfing style to it and that for a bit like a tiny bit I regret regret it because I think I would if I sacrificed a little bit of my time and and made the most of what the conditions gave me mm-hmm. I would have progressed in competition more so the world tour I just like did a couple times the the semifinals, one time in Scotland, one time in Portugal. And then, uh, yeah, that was, uh, and also in Cabo Verde and, and Tenerife in the Canaries. So I ended up like fifth and then something like seventh and, and then eighth. And, and overall, I think I was like 11 in a certain year. That was the top of my uh, World Cup results. And then but on the international windsurfing and the American tour, I won the title in 2016, and I managed to win a couple stops in a few times in Oregon and in Mexico, which is uh, satisfying. You know, once you go on top of step, you are like, "Oh, this feels different." You know, like I'm a champion, and this is um, one other fun part of a competition. So you don't you don't regret like leaving back competition behind? I mean now. So far, I understood like you're more into free windsurfing, right? Or you don't compete as much as before, or do you? I do follow just different tour, not the world tour. It's called the International Windsurfing Tour, which is more laid back tour with very amazing destinations. Is it as um, emotionally and financially rewarding as the other one? Emotionally as like satisfying and bringing you joy and, and fun? If you win, they both bring fun. But if you win on the world tour, you, you're probably going to get more reward, more Sorry. by the sponsors and by the tour itself. Yeah. But the International Windsurfing Tour has very little materialistic reward, oh. but still, same satisfaction, personal satisfaction. Okay. So, like, do you have a specific schedule to prepare for all these events and so on like how do you train like do you have specific way of training or do you just follow the wind windsurfing is a very demand strength demanding sport like Mm -hmm. you have to have endurance and then balance and then strength basically you use almost all your muscles windsurfing and you're constantly creating muscle memories from learning new maneuvers because it's not always the same. And for that, you have to spend the same or double the time uh, you spend in the water 
working on your core, on your balance, on your cardio, and all this take 100% sacrifice. And if you want to be on top, you have to be on top of this. The guys on top, they're on top of this. They are training almost every day or at least five days a week. Super dedicated. Absolutely. There is no other way to get to the top. It's not true unless you're insanely talented. Like there is one of the guys who is doing really good. He's like world champion a few times who is super phenomenally talented. Like he's like, it's a phenomenon. But he would need to train to avoid injuries, for example, uh-huh. because it's his, it's, it would be the biggest enemy of an athlete is to get injured. Mm. And for him to keep going for a longer time and be world champion and uh, persist, literally he needs to, to, to train just to avoid injuries. Although wow. I, I think he doesn't train like crazy like some others. Yeah. I guess you must have a lot of structure and discipline to keep persisting and training the way you do. I mean, to get where you at right now, you must have been training a lot consistently. I, I did. Before I did train a lot, it was a daily basis t- thing. But the thing is now I have different uh, approach to competition. So I have different approach to training, although I need to train just to satisfy myself and my life and avoid health issues, for example. And uh, I was just going to ask you that question. I was going to ask you, what, what are you after, actually? Are you after like being number one or it's just fun? But like you're answering it brilliantly <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I just want to live a healthy life. I just don't want to, I don't want to be number one or like world champion today because I would have to give up on so much pleasure in life, you know, like all these diet disciplines and all kind of disciplines to be able to get fit, like super fit. You have to be super fit to be on top. And that's what makes the difference between the first guy and the second guy or the first guy and the third guy, you know, because one of them or the first one is phenomenally fit and mm. he works out and he he doesn't just have an easygoing diet like his commitment is more than the, the other Massive. one and, uh, yeah and personally i i just look at a future where i have the minimum or no health issues you know like i don't wanna suffer like because of my lack of discipline, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Like no injuries and no health issues that are coming through the age or something like that. Exactly. And keeping enjoying the the craft, the practice, the fun that you do with windsurfing. How about the um, mental skills? So the one you mentioned earlier, like having a mantra, having a something that you, you keep on thinking about when there is step backs and so on, it's a really big one. When I say mental skills, what comes to your mind? When I go in the ocean, there is days where I push myself to go to the water just because I feel like I have to. It's happening. I arrive to a certain level where I'm becoming a little bit picky and I want to only go when it's good. Uh Yeah. 
at least good, not perfect, but like good, like windy, like waves, big. And I have the, the mental setup, you know, like no pressure, no anxiousness, you know, like from different sources. Yeah. To think the way I go into the ocean, I, I, I feel like I just let myself, you know, be uh, like surrendering to the ocean, like, like I surrender to the ocean and to the sea and to the waves, like trusting them. And uh, there's moments where I just like free my thoughts where I'm not thinking and moments where I have, I need focus because it's critical and I need to think mathematically, how can I do a, a perfect turn or how can I do a perfect jump after I have the material set up? You know, and all these things, they go through the mind when you're about to go into the field, the action. And, uh, you know, like trying to control all emotions is wrong. But like trying to accept all emotions, it feels like it's the right thing to do. You know, like to be able to enjoy to the max. It's just like, you know, there is moments in your session where you are like, oh, this is not happening. I'm falling, I'm falling, I'm falling. And probably because of something that is in your subconscious, you can't even realize what it is. And you just need moments where you take a break and then you let go of the tension and you let go of what causes your discomfort in the water. Sometimes it can be like... from a third party, like, uh, you know, the tension in the water is always happening because of waves and because of race and because of competition, always want to get the first biggest wave or the first wave of the set or whatever. And that also messes up with, with, with your Focus, mental. mental yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah, I just like try and leave everything on land, whatever can mess up my session. And Actually, I, I, I consider myself when winter, you know, or being on the ocean, like if I'm praying, so I just need to elevate myself and let myself surrender to the Surrender ocean. That's, 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 you yeah. mentioned in, You mentioned a, a lot of mental skills. You mentioned focus, emotional awareness. You mentioned awareness as in awareness, like knowing what's going on. You mentioned, I think, also visualization, which means like when you know what it is like i mean when you you know which turn you have to do and how to calculate it and all that i guess you do it in your mind a little bit during and before to go in the water you mentioned letting go and surrendering also a really good one to have how did you learn all of these like did it come from experience being in the water being in the contest being around the world or was there books or somebody that mentioned them or even a coach I mean, these are the things that I try to teach my clients. And oftentimes, it is hard to give them a grasp of what it is and how important it is to have them. That's the whole purpose from doing these talks and that, like, so they can hear them also from people like you that have them through experience. I guess it took years, took years to master each one of them and to know the importance of each one of them. I don't think I'm mastered. It's more like, you know the more you realize that you don't do enough. Like when you're a kid, you just want to have fun and it doesn't matter how, 
when I was younger, windsurfing was a fun thing. It was a passion of, you know, like pure joy, pure fun, nothing more, nothing less. It was never a source of income or of make living. It was more just like a source of that. But then the older I got, the more I knew, like, this is a source of knowledge. This is a source of more than just that. And the more I'm like, I dive into it, the more my approach to the sport become bigger, more than just the sport, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, from the encounters I, I, I went through or uh, just happened because of windsurfing, I learned that there is so much more about life and about a human psychic that mm-hmm. I missed out on it being younger, you know? Mm-hmm. And all this knowledge I learned, it was because of people, because of books I read and because of, you know, my personality as well. Like my personality is, is because of the environment I lived in and people. And also because like the way I mentioned my personality, it's just like how I'm very open-minded to different, like to the difference or of different uh, culture, different people's mentalities. I yes, guess, opinions. Yeah. yeah, you meet a lot of people during your travels. It must be amazing the number of. I mean, your network, the people you know, the people you meet, the smiles, the the, the stories that you can tell. If we're gonna start to ask questions around that here, I think will it will take us eight hours to talk all about the experiences you had and people you met. But would you? recall somebody that you met during these trips that really impacted you or not impacted you, just left an impression, somebody you can think of? There is so many. It's a long list. Like people <laughs> that since I was a kid, Fitta has impacted a lot of my personality. And then uh, the guys like Scott McCarcher is like an ex-world champion of windsurfing. I traveled a lot with him and I spent quite a lot of time with him. Very uh, unique person philosopher, crazy man, pisshead, like an Aussie guy. And uh, also another friend from France who I spent a lot of time with. I mean, my, my friends were older, always probably wiser and always look up to them. Baptiste Goussaint, Julien Schlosser, like guys like that, you know, like Flo Young, people with very laid back personality. That when I spoke to, I listened like with so much interest to what they said. And uh, yeah, like a couple of ex-girlfriends who has affected my way of thinking as well. And yeah, life has given me the opportunity to meet some amazing people. And I hope it will never stop. How do you manage your life outside of of the windsurfing and traveling like i mean is it appropriate to ask for example do you have a family or do you have a girlfriend or a partner and do you want to have family at some point if you don't have one yet i do i do have a family actually i'm married and i have a kid okay and uh yeah it's something that i always like keep it away from the public. from this side of my life yeah from the public and from my thing like windsurfing yeah. like 
for me, like I'm so passionate about windsurfing. I'm, I'm like, I always think like, oh, family is first, but after windsurfing, <laughs> after, <laughs> you know, somehow it's selfish. But honestly, my my career or my windsurfing is a therapy and it's a drug and you name it. Like it's a religion, it's a spirituality, it's whatever you can imagine it. It is all. So do you manage both sides? Like you can manage both sides, like spending enough time with them as well as Yeah, of course, because I mentioned it since the beginning. This is my priority and it's always been and it will always until I decide it's not anymore, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like before I got engaged in any relationship, that was my only, you know, rule. Yeah. (laughs) But now it's different. I look at the world in a different way. And, you know, like passion, it is what it's all about. And if there is no passion, I think uh, it would be hard to live in a balanced way. Yeah. You think you would pass on that passion to your child? I hope I can influence him. He's really young. He's only one now. One. Yeah. So I hope I can influence him somehow in a positive way. He's uh, very active for now, like a baby. Uh-huh. But let's see what he chooses. Like, I'm not going to be like, this is what I've done. This is what you will do. But uh, <laughs> I'll be just like, you know, taking it as it comes and letting him receive as he wants, you know. Make like his choices. Well. Yeah. yeah. I do have one too, actually. He's five months. Not so, it's very young also, very small. And to be honest, I can't wait to put him on a surfboard and like take him with me and paddle, paddle a little bit or dive a little bit under the waves. Yeah. We're here in um, Indonesia. We can be in the water all year. No wetsuit, no nothing. So, wow. I mean, I guess you have been here a couple of times at least. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've been there before it got so busy. (laughs) Yeah. So... I'm very, I'm a very solo surfer. I like to be just with a few guys, not with the whole Australia in the peak <laughs> or the whole, you know. It's so, so busy right now. Like I've been here for four years yeah. in Bali and I just seen it like literally exploding. Like yeah. Okay. 18, 18 or 19 new shops or restaurants in one year. Wow. Everyone moved from Kuta to Chengdu. Everyone moved oh from Seminic to Chengdu. It's just so packed, busy. And like, so Crazy. even if you wake up 5.30 when it's still dark and be in the water at there quarter to six, there will be already maybe five, ten other people there waiting and then a lot more will come after. And, uh, oh, my God. And it's mixed, like whatever, beginners or advanced, everyone is in the same place. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Yeah. Well, I was there in 2004, five, six, and I think seven. Uh-huh. And done. It was already busy. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going back. I did Lombok. It was nobody in Lombok. Now I heard there is something like Kuta Lombok, like Kuta Bali. Oh, it didn't exist <laughs> back then? <laughs> it did not. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it yeah. was just like amazing to go to Lombok and like, and look at Lombok now in the pictures because I didn't go back. And then, yeah. I went to Sumbawa, then to somewhere West Java, Ujian Genteng. We were just like a group of people. like, mm. And uh, I cannot imagine how 
overpopulated we've got now. It is. It is unfortunate. Unfortunately, I mean, like, I guess it's a little bit good for the the people that live here, and it's good profit for them with tourism. But in the same time, it adds on a lot of pollution, plastics, and uh, yeah, crowd in the water, of course. So less quality of surfing. You know, in Lombok now, there is a very famous Moroccan restaurant. It's a guy, it's a Moroccan <laughs> guy from Netherlands, I think, from Holland, Amsterdam, who moved there four or five years ago, and he's very successful. He's in his third restaurant, Moroccan. Wow. One Moroccan and two something different, like one Japanese, I think, and one something else. And he's mid-30s, so like he's just very wow. young and, and very successful and interesting person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. I think we went through all the main things here. Like, uh, I wanted to ask you if you have a message to pass on to someone who is in, like, not necessarily a beginning of his career, but windsurfing or surfing or water sport career. Let's say he's uh, intermediate. Let's say it's a windsurfer who wants to. Sure. Or he. <coughs> He believed there is an opportunity for him to, um, let's say, have a career. Like, yeah. doesn't have to be like professional windsurfer. Maybe just like a board shaper, for example, or like a windsurfer who wants to become teacher, like a windsurfing teacher or something like that. Whatever. I think it's something really important that has to be thought of is the the gift of adaptability of humans. And that should be taken in a big way, like considered in a big way that no matter where you are physically and what time or like which period you are, you have the ability to adapt your thoughts, your habits and your entire life to the environment and to the situation and don't wait until it's convenient or it's just like the way you knew it works. Try and adapt, like adapt your visions, your life, your dreams, your goals to the situation. And I think that's the best way to overcome all the obstacles in a deep or a a profound way to success, you know, if you want to succeed. Somehow, you mean by that um, that could be that the person she or he is standing in front of himself, like he could be the one blocking himself from moving forward. So he has to maybe let go of his uh, beliefs or uh, how to say his ways of thinking and to adapt and adjust and grow into the new exactly. environments or the new ways of being. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I see exactly it's, what uh, Sometimes you are raised in a way and grow up in a specific society, environment, and culture. Mm-hmm. And you expect to go and apply what you grew up with somewhere else. And it's probably not going to work. And you just have to accept and be ready to adapt your mind and thoughts to what's surrounding you. Yeah. I just, this applies both in the water and outside the water. Everywhere. Everywhere. Oh. Yeah. Very good one, uh, Bushma. Thank you very much for this. 
Yeah. Uh, this pleasure. has been a pleasure. Cool, Dries. I wish you good luck with everything and yeah, peace. Thank you.